This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. Uh, we're going to get to the show in a minute, and today's show is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do. We're there might be some funny moments. Um, I'm recording this before we record the show. Uh, but for the most part, we're going to be doing some serious conversations today, and it will be uh, different than what we normally do. Uh, I won't be going for punchlines as much as I normally am, and uh, I want you guys to know that going into it. This show is about guns. It is about the aftermath of the massacre in Orlando at the Pulse nightclub. And this show is going to be dealing with those issues. Now, we know here that most people don't always agree on everything. I mean, that's just human nature. But we want to have this conversation, and we want to do this properly. So before we get started, before I bring AJ in, in the next couple minutes here to do what we normally do, uh, as I said, a little bit more serious than normally, I wanted to take a second because if we're going to talk about this issue, if we're going to talk about what happened, then we should properly remember those who have died in this massacre. I've done this once before, and it was for Sandy Hook. And please bear with me. Um, there are 49 people who are dead, and I'm going to read you their names. Stanley Almavar, 23 years old. Amanda Alvier, 25 years old. Oscar Montero, 26 years old. Rodolfo Alaya, 33 years old. Antonio David Brown, 29 years old. Daryl Burt, 29 years old. Angel, pa Angel Padro, 28 years old. Juan Chavez Martinez, 25 years old. Luis Condi, 39 years old. Corey Connell, 21 years old. Tevin Crosby, 25 years old. Danolka Drayton, 32 years old. Simon Fernandez, 31 years old. Leroy Fernandez, 25 years old. Mercedes Flores, 26 years old. Peter O. Gonzalez Cruz, 22 years old. Juan Guerrero, 22 years old. Paul Henry, 41 years old. Frank Hernandez, 27 years old. Miguel Hornatro, 30 years old. Javier Jorge Reyes, 40 years old. Jason Josephat, 19 years old. Eddie Justice, 30 years old. Anthony Lorenzdola, 25 years old. Christopher Leonin, 32 years old. Alejandro Martinez, 21 years old. Brenda McCool, 49 years old. Gibraltar Mirandez, 25 years old. Kimberly Morris, 37 years old. Akea Murray, 18 years old. Luis Capo, 20 years old. Geraldo Jimenez, 25 years old. Eric Riviera, 36 years old. Joel Panagua, 32 years old. Giancarlos Mendez Perez, 35 years old. Enrique Rios, 25 years old. Jean Rodriguez, 27 years old. Xavier Rosado, 35 years old. Christopher Sanfleece, 24 years old. Yilmari Sullivan, 24 years old. Edward Sotomayor Jr., 34 years old. Martin Torres, 33 years old. Jonathan Vega, 24 years old. Juan Velasquez, 37 years old. Luis Vilma, 22 years old. Frankie Velasquez, 50 years old. Luis Luan, 37 years old. Gerald Arthur Wright, 31 years old. There are other victims. Their names have not been released. Those are the ones that we know about so far. 
It's now time for our show. We are going to have a discussion about this issue. We're going to talk about it. But it is important to remember that in all of the discussion that we're going to have, and no matter what comes forward, these people are dead. And they were killed with an assault rifle on a Saturday night at a nightclub. Something we all do, something we all take for granted, and they are dead. I would like you to remember that in the conversation going forward, because God knows we're going to try. Thank you very much. Here we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is Nick Sarandos. If you just listened to the intro, I know you know who I am. But joining me over the interwebs and Skype and on video for the first time in a while is my good buddy, AJ Signary. AJ, say hello to the people. Hey, people. So I'm not sure, AJ, how to get started on this um, topic today. I got a lot of stats. I got a lot of numbers. But the truth is I feel it's hollow to read that stuff out. People tend to... How do, how do you, what would you want to say, AJ? People tend to just skew them wherever you want, but we have them if we need to go to them. Here's what I want to start with 49 people are dead. We read their names. They were killed in a nightclub with a gun that is the most popular gun in the United States, which is a screwed up saying to begin with. And this is not a new story. This has been going on in my lifetime that I remember, at least since 1998. And that's almost 20 years that I've been aware of the fact that in any public place I could be gunned down instantly by a madman with an assault rifle. The president has spoken. Uh, all the late night hosts did something. John Oliver did an amazing uh, piece. Conan's was truly moving. And uh, I actually want to play that before we end the show. I don't know, AJ. Uh, I've come to the conclusion, and I think Trevor Noah said it best, that apparently... To most people, 49 people are an acceptable loss for your right to own an AR-15. What do you got? I'm just sick and tired. I'm just fucking sick and tired of people in our community um, dying. I'm just sick and tired of it. And for me, it started with Matthew Shepard. And... Anytime I hear about like, what happened in Orlando, what happened elsewhere, um, I'm just sick and tired. I have no words. I mean, I mean, this is the very reasons why we fight for the rights we want to have. And if people want to tag uh, this as terrorism, they want to cling on to their guns and for what? People died. Young people died. Young Latino and Latinas died in Orlando. 50 of them, 103 of them in total. 153 of them being injured. And for what? Because a guy was offended by two guys kissing? I just am so upset that we still have this going on and we have other issues are going on. We still, while this was going on, we had what? Seven other young black men died in Chicago yesterday, if not on Sunday. Also, we still have issues elsewhere. And for what? Because, you know, Oh, I need to have my gun. 
For what? Why do you need an AR-15? What pass, what logical reason you need to have an AR-15 for? You're not in the military. You're not going out and having a militia. So why do you need it? I don't know. And I am so sick and tired of this bullshit. Do you have any friends who have an AR-15? They're not my friends. I know people who have AR-15s. I've personally shot an AR-15. My friend has one. And it's a badass gun. My friend has one. (laughs) One of my best friends in the world. I actually tried to get him to be on the show today to talk about this. But uh, one of my best friends. I've slept at his house a hundred times in the last year, last two years. Uh, There's an AR-15 in his closet. Uh, it's and how does that make you feel? I, I don't think about it really that much because it's not something that they bring out around me. They know how I feel. But, but I mean, just the knowing there's a presence of that kind of it doesn't affect me. Firearm. Honestly, it doesn't affect me. Um, they don't bring it out. They're sons of a soldier, and because it's his and his brothers, they split it, and they have this thing. And we don't talk about it very much. The one topic that he and I don't really discuss very often is guns because we both know that we're on opposite sides of the argument. I love my friend. He's a, he's a great guy. You've met him. You know Dave. Dave is a wonderful oh, dude. Yeah, yeah, he, he's yeah. the nicest guy in the world. Uh, I call him Captain America. Like if our group was the Avengers, he's Captain America. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Iron Man because I'm drunk. He, see, there's the punchlines. I can't help it. He... He's a wonderful dude. He's one of my best friends. He's the, one of the kindest people I've ever met. And he should not have that gun, in my opinion. Neither should his brother. It's an assault rifle. I just went online while I was waiting for you to get ready to come on here while I was recording that intro and found a video. Three minutes long, how to convert an AR-15 to fully automatic. Oh, it's not that hard. No, not at all. It takes a paper clip. And at least from what I saw. And I think about that. I think about the fact that they sell conversion kits right next to the gun from different manufacturers, which is a loophole that they get through. And as you said, why do you need that gun? I asked him that when he bought it. And what he said to me was that his brother got it because he could. And that seemed like a really stupid fucking reason to buy that gun. I could buy other things. I could buy crack. I could buy other stuff also. Yeah. But... But why? Well, I always like to tell people, and they go, well, I like to shoot a gun, and it's my right to shoot a gun. And I said, that's fine. I go, I like to drive really fast. It's my right to drive. It's not my right to drive really fast. If you want to have a gun, you want to have a six-shooter revolver, I'm against that too, but if, I guess my argument is less solid. But if you want a gun, fine. But do you need, as you said, do you need an AR-15? Stephen King, I played it once on your show, and I played it once on my show, wrote an essay right after Sandy Hook. He called it Guns. It was a, right. a, a charity piece on Audible. And it is, uh, first of all, I'll tell you, it's one of the first things I've legitimately bought online in 20 years. But it was fantastic. And at one point, he breaks down. He says, an AR-15 is a tool. People will argue that guns are tools. Well, the AR-15 is a tool designed for one thing and one thing only, and that is to kill people. You can take a target shooting, but it will obliterate a target, so you won't know exactly where you hit it. It is designed to kill people. That is its function. You can't buy a bomb in a store. 
the reason right. is is because a bomb is made to kill lots of people. You can't, you should not be able to buy this gun in the store. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't understand the thought process of, I want this gun, therefore 49 people should die in Orlando. Because that, but, that's the math. Go ahead. But here's, but here's what I'm getting really pissed off about. Is that as soon as this happened in Orlando, as soon as this happened, we all, there was an automatic conclusion that it had to be terrorism. It had to be ISIS. Automatically. And, and I start seeing the memes. And I start seeing other people's voices. I'm like, we need to have guns so we can fight them. You're not going to fight them. You're not going to fight crazy. You're not. You are not going to fight an autonomous organization. Because you don't know how they function. You do not, and I'm sorry, you do not have the intelligence nor the education of how autonomous organizations work. You don't know what other movements in the past have done to get to why ISIS does what ISIS does. You just don't have that kind of education. I'm sorry. You have to understand who they are and how we got to where we are right now to have ISIS in order for you to say, well, I'm going to have a gun so I can fight, quote-unquote, radical Islam. And yet, I had an argument with someone yesterday where I said, this is a hate crime. This is not an attack on the United States. This was a hate crime in its simplest form, an absolute hate crime. And they want to go in and say, well, no, he did this under Sharia law. He did all this on many things. Well, by that logic, how come we haven't closed down Westboro Baptist Church? How come we didn't close down the Catholic Church? How come we're not closing down any other Christian organizations that have the, done the exact same thing? And he wanted me to point out which Christians have actually killed homosexuals. We forget about Hitler who put gays in concentration camps. What was the name of the young man in, in Laramie, Wyoming? Exactly, Matthew Shepard. Thank you. Two Christian men dragged and left Matthew Shepard by a fence post to die. I. This is. I mean, these. This happens. The KKK even does this. But no, it has to be brown or a person of color that has to do it. I'm sorry, because by you saying. It's because of this person. How come you're not talking about other examples that have done? It is not just a certain color, a certain race, a certain ethnicity, a certain religion that is doing this. We have a history of doing this. And so help me God if I hear one more time that this is the worst tragedy in the United States, yet 260 indigenous people at Wounded Knee died and more of them have died since Wounded Knee and prior to Wounded Knee. So help me God that we forget about the slaves that got kidnapped from Africa and then put elsewhere in the slave trade route in the Caribbean, South America, and elsewhere who died over here and everything and died on plantations everywhere. So it's, this was not the worst situation. This is another example of hatred, another example as to why we need better gun control 
and better social justice policy. Because if we're not, then people are going to take the streets. And you're really going to see how gun control is going to be really out of hand with the wrong people. And that's something I really do not want to see. Let's see here. Um, you want another list? Of? Since, since Columbine. You want a list? Not really, but go ahead for our listeners. All right, we'll start with Columbine. April 20th, 1999, Columbine High School. Eric Harris, Dylan Klebold, shoot up Columbine. July 29th, uh, a man named Mark Barton murdered his wife and two children and then shot up two Atlanta data trading firms, killing 12. Uh, Larry Greenberg opened fire on a Christian rock concert in 9th, September 15th, 1999, uh, killed seven. December 26, December 26, 2000, a Edgewater Technology employee walked in and shot his co-worker. He killed... Seven people. Uh, let's see. Doug Williams, a Lockheed Martin employer, shot up the plant in Meridian, Mississippi. He shot 14 people and killed seven, most of them African-American. Uh, March 12, 2005. Fort Hood happened? I'm sorry? Fort Hood. Fort Hood. Uh, this is civilian only. It doesn't really rank. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, these are just... These are just, civilians. Yeah, these are just civilians. All right, so 2000, October 2006, Amish school teacher is gunned down by a 32-year-old yeah. person. Five young girls are also killed. Uh, February 2007, five people are shot to death, four others wounded by an 18-year-old in a mall. Virginia Tech, April 16, 2007, the de- second deadliest shooting in U.S. history. 56 people are shot, 32 are killed. December 5, 2007, a 19-year-old shoots up a department store, killing nine and wounding four. So February 7, 2008, six people are killed in a shooting spree at the City Hall in Kirkwood, Missouri. Uh, let's see, he opened fire. Six people killed, two injured. February 14th, 2008, Valentine's Day. A 27-year-old opened fire at a lecture hall at NIU, killing six, wounding 21. I swear to God, I actually forgot about that one, AJ. That's how many there oh, have been. I don't, I don't forget that one because... Well, go ahead, and I'll, and I'll talk yeah. about that in a second. Uh, eight people died at Pine Lake Health and Rehab Nursing Home when a 45-year-old gunman who was trying to kill his wife uh, opened fire. A 41-year-old man opened fire in an immigration center in Binghamton, New York, before committing suicide. He killed 13 and wounded four. 43 people are shot by a psychiatrist at near Fort Hood in uh, Texas, uh, reportedly yelling Allahu Akbar before opening fire, killing 13, wounding 29 others. A 34-year-old man at the Hartford Beer Distributor in Manchester, Connecticut, uh, shot nine people after being caught stealing beer. Representative uh, Gabby Giffords is shot in the head by a 22-year-old. Nine, let's see... Six people died, including an Arizona District Court judge and a nine-year-old girl. Nineteen people in total were shot. Uh, September 6, 2011, a 32-year-old man shot 12 people in an IHOP. Five died. October 14, 2011, eight people died at the Salem Heritage Hair Salon in Seal Beach, California. A 41-year-old man killed six women and two men while just one person survived. Biggest shooting in the history of California. Uh, for February 27, 2012, three students are killed and a, another student 
three students are killed by another student in a rampage at Chardon High School in Chardon, Ohio. Three others were injured. April 2nd, 2012, a former student, 43-year-old man at Ocase University, a Korean Christian college in Oakland. The shooting was the sixth deadliest school massacre in the U.S. Wow, we have a top 10 list. And the deadliest attack on a school since 2007. Uh, April 6, 2012, a 19-year-old and a 32-year-old man shot five black men in Tulsa, Oklahoma. In a racially motivated shooting spree, five were killed. Ian Stowacki opened fired at a cafe in a, a espresso shop in Seattle, killing five and himself after a citywide manhunt. July 2012, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I don't want to say this asshole's oh, yes. name. Killed 12 people, wounded 58. Called himself the fucking Joker. Right. Uh, six Sika members were killed in a 40-year-old Army veteran opened fire in Gardawa, Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Four others were injured, and then the gunman killed himself. September 27, 2012, five were shot to death by, 36, by a 36-year-old man. Uh, three others were wounded. And let's see, the last one on this list, because this article that I'm reading is from 2012, the end of 2012. December 11, 2012, a 22-year-old killed two people and himself with a stolen rifle at a mall in Oregon. Let's see, people killed by guns in the U.S., 19.5 times higher than any other uh, high-income countries. Uh, America has 61 mass mass murders since Columbine High School, and that is in 2012. Uh, yeah. And that was all before Sandy Hook. So Sandy Hook is immediately following that. Where, by the way, on a Friday morning, 27 people were shot and killed at Sandy Hook Elementary School. 18 were children. Children. Uh, It was the second in one week. That's in 2012. Yeah, and and like the the Sheik incident in Wisconsin. Um... I hate saying it, was done by a white man. Um, the Amish incident was done by a white man. Um, Look, I don't have the numbers on this, but I would argue that statistically most of the people who do these mass shootings are white. Would you agree? Oh, there's, you don't need statistics. It is, it's a known fact. Okay. Historically, it's a known fact. And if you need statistics, then you really need, need to learn history. I'm sorry. I mean... So I've never myself been in a situation where someone threatened or was going to open fire. But there's been two instances in my life where I have been threatened um, indirectly. Well, so let me say this. So a while back, um, early 2000s, I want to say. Around my area, here in Northwest Illinois, there was a person who decided to be funny and started putting small pipe bombs in mailboxes. And as soon as you pull the door, it would detonate it on site. And they were done sporadically, and it was only done through the countryside in my county. So I remember this. And I remember having to pretty much rig up a system where I tie a string to the mailbox door, tie it to my bumper, and start pulling some feet of rope just to make sure that I didn't get blown up. And luckily, it never happened. Um, 
NIU, Northern Illinois University. I was at Western Illinois University seeing a friend, and I heard about what happened at Northern. I called my friend Terry at the time because he was going to school there. I called, I called. It would just ring and go to voicemail. I, I did this like 10 times. Ring, go to voicemail. Ring, go to voicemail. So I have no idea because I, I don't know if Terry walked to his class because it's, it's a plaza. I know where exactly where it's at. It's a plaza. So anyone could be walking around Cole Hall at the time. So I don't know if that was one of his roots or what. So like later on that day, he calls me back. He goes, no, I'm fine. I was on the bus. I was near, near it, and the bus was trying to divert and get around as much as possible and everything. And I just try to get as far away from campus as possible and try to make sure my friends were okay. So those two things, for me, was really significant in my life. Because one of those instances, I could have been injured or if not died. And the other one, I, I could have lost a very, very good friend because of what happened at Northern. Now, I don't live, I've never lived, I've never been to a distressed area like Syria, Palestine, other parts of the Middle East, other parts of um, Southeast Asia, Africa, South America, Latin America, and other places that all of this has occurred. I've never been to those areas. But I can only imagine what it's like 24-7, 365, where that has happened. And only one of those instances I just explained is where I really, my anxiety level just skyrocketed. Just imagine someone living in distressed areas having post-traumatic stress disorder because of that. And right now we're kind of living these times that even though myself, you, and others who have friends or are not even really connected to the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, that... It, it, the only thing I can describe it as, it's, it's indirect PTSD insofar that it's, that we were seeing this on the media. There this were, fear that is going through the television screens, the screens that has ones and zeros in front of us, is putting fear in us that if we don't do something, then this is going to happen. We'll start by having better gun control. Start by helping the LGBTQA community, start by helping with communities of color, start by helping women, start by helping you, start by helping everyone who's been going through this decade upon decade upon decade upon decade. I had a conversation yesterday with uh, somebody who my family knows. I don't want to get too specific because I don't want to offend anybody. Um... He showed up at my dad's office where I work, and we proceeded to have a very long political discussion. And during the discussion, it turned to politics, and specifically who he was voting for. And he said he was voting for Trump. And I said, why? And he said, because I think Hillary Clinton is a monster. And I said, why? 
And he said, well, uh, there's a lot of things. He goes, but there's a story about her that she, in the 1970s, took a case. You probably know about this, AJ. I didn't until oh, yesterday. the rape case? Yes. And yeah. th there's a, a thing on the Internet that says that she was laughing about getting the rapist off, uh, out of court. Mm -hmm. And... I looked at him and I said, that doesn't sound right. And he says, well, it's, he goes, he goes, it's known. It's, it's, it's something that people know about. And I said, okay. So I went and I went to the source that if you ever doubt something, folks, go to a site, it's called snopes.com and they will track things for you. And within 30 seconds of him saying that to me, I was on Snopes and I was on, it says it's not true. And he's like, well, I read it. I said, I don't care what you read. It's right here. It goes, it goes through timeline wise. Why, what you're saying isn't right. And he says, well, I can get anything to say anything I want. And I went, yeah, like that, that happened when it very clearly didn't. And he just refused to back down. And he left. And my dad said to me, you know, you have to be careful. You, you, called, that, you called him an idiot. And I said, no, I didn't. And he goes, yes, you did. I said, no, I didn't. I said, what I said to him was he was wrong. And then I presented him with evidence that showed that he was wrong. And he decided to ignore it, the evidence that I gave to him. Right. What else do you call that? I go, I didn't call him that, but he is an idiot. Because what else do you call somebody who, when presented with factual information, decides that the position they had is more important than the new information that they are receiving? I feel like that is a lot of time the argument is with guns now. You could present people with the argument. You can look at them and say the stuff that you just said, AJ, that the truth to solving this problem is not gun regulation. It is not gun regulation. That is not going to fix stuff. It is an economic issue. It is a mental health issue. It is a social services issue. Social services have been cut in every single state because we can't afford them. Because we don't have the, the revenue to do it. That's why majority of states are currently operating at a deficit. And the more we ignore the mental health, the economic inequality that we have, the more desperate that people are going to get, the more that this shit is just going to keep on going. And to act like... I don't know. Having facilities open that treat the mentally ill like human beings is in some way an affront to God when you are Sorry. I'm going to I'm going to stop where I was at for a second, AJ. Do you mind if I if I kind of go off on a different thing here? No, you okay? Yeah, I just I'm I'm going to go off here, so I'm just giving people a warning. And I'm going to try to keep it under control, but I'm actually, my, my skin is, like, I have goosebumps, I'm, I, and my adrenaline's gone, so I'm just trying to, here it is, plain and simple. I was raised Irish Catholic. I went to one of the, I grew up in, arguably, the idyllic surroundings. I grew up in Glenview, Illinois, and I've joked about it on this show, but my hometown, people talk shit about it all the time who grew up there, like, oh, it's such a boring place, it's such a whatever place, fuck you. That place is amazing. It is the American dream personified in many fucking ways. You've been there, AJ. You know what I'm talking about. There are beautiful homes, beautiful streets. That place is run really well. And yeah, we can joke about whether or not the cops actually serve a purpose in a town like that besides speeding tickets, whatever. It is a fucking idyllic, beautiful, goddamn existence, and I am 
spoiled with that childhood. I am spoiled with the religion that I was raised with, which was good Catholicism. And I've turned my back on the faith because of rational thinking in some ways. But I will never disparage the Catholic Church, at least as a whole, when it comes to this stuff. That's why when people make priest jokes, I always have to remind people, look, I went to Catholic school for eight years of my life, and I will tell you something. Every priest that I ever dealt with was a wonderful human being, and they taught me the meaning of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And whether or not you believe that Jesus Christ was the divine representation of God or not, let me tell you something that the man, the myth, the legend that Jesus H. Christ would never have fucking stood for, and that is using his name to justify racism and hate and treating the poor like fucking criminals. I had a conversation with a man yesterday who told me that the reason that he thinks that we need to get rid of welfare is because people lean on it too much, and that they work, they don't want to work because they're gaming the system. Let me tell you something, you arrogant motherfuckers who sit here and try to tell me that people who are on welfare are gaming the system. You know what those people would really like? A living fucking wage. They'd like to make more than $15 an hour minimum wage. They'd like to make $25.50, which is what it adjusted for inflation that it actually is, because if they did that, then they wouldn't have to worry about feeding their fucking kids. And maybe, just maybe, if you gave people enough money that if they noticed that someone in their family was acting a little bit off, they could afford to take them to get psychological treatment, that they maybe wouldn't have to have so many fights about debt and family, and maybe the American family that you're always choosing to expose, but then villainizing black people and Mexican people for single family homes and poor people in general for having a single family home. Maybe if you paid them a little bit money and got rid of the number one cause of divorce in the United fucking States, which is money problems, and you allowed people to make a living goddamn wage, we wouldn't have to have people who lose their minds in shootings and go out and have to deal with this stuff and have to deal with the fact that my sister had to talk down some asshole at a school with a gun. I haven't told people that story by the way here on this podcast and I'm probably not supposed to and she'll probably get mad at me for mentioning it but my little sister who I have helped raise since she was a baby had to walk into a school where a kid had a gun and try to talk him out of killing people and why because he took the gun from his dad why because his dad didn't lock up the gun why because his dad taught his kid how to use a gun responsibly at the age of six so his son knows what's going on you know what that means that that kid can do when he's 13 and ain't able to get a date and isn't really able to understand anything and maybe is struggling with feelings that he doesn't understand whatever the hell the fucking circumstances are that kid would have gotten the help that he needed when he was 10 because they would have had enough money to do stuff because this shit needs to fucking stop and for you to couch yourself when you're arguing about the right for a tool to kill under the banner of christianity and american freedom let me tell you something you arrogant sons of bitches jesus christ would disown you from your church sorry no i mean am i wrong did i say anything there that you conceive of as wrong no, no, I, 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 I personally don't. Um, I don't, and I, I don't know. It, like I said before, I'm, I'm just up. Were you raised religious when you were younger? I, I was born in the Catholic Church. Okay. How much Catholicism did you, how long were you in the church? Would you consider yourself I, a member I'm, of the faith? I'm born, baptized, and confirmed Catholic. No, 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 but I mean, but you're also at this point an agnostic or an atheist, correct? Uh, at this point, I, I consider myself a humanist, yes. Okay. When, how old were you when you started to question the teachings of the church? Oh, well, I was a teenager. Okay, same here. A little bit younger, maybe, because I was constantly in it and would ask questions. But you were with it with a child's understanding of religion. Um, 
in your understanding of the teachings of Jesus Christ, because that's what we want, I want to focus on really right now, is, is the bastardization and, and the stealing of the name Christianity to, to, to promote hate, which is what well, is done. So, so yeah, I, I do want to talk about that, but I think there's a more sociological approach to this, and, and, and this is that. If you look at socioeconomics and people who believe in religion, the higher up you are, the less you go to church and the more you give to church, the less that you're going to be lenient on religion. The lower you are socioeconomically, the more you're going to be religious, the more you're going to lean on whatever Judeo-Christian belief or whatever belief you're going to subscribe to. Because you see it all the time. If you look at those who are in the lower class, if not just outright homeless, they go to church. They go and pray to God. They, they hope Jesus is going to help them. They hope that God's going to help them and everything. And I've seen some who actually go and absorb the teachings of the divine and take it literally. And there are those who look at religion and just want to look at the orthodox portion of religion also and not worry about the other things, that the same themes that you see in Judaism, Islam, uh, Christianity, and that is love. Everywhere, I've read the Quran, I've read the Torah, I've read the, the Bible, I've read, I've read these texts. And what they talk about is love. They talk about helping other people. And yes, there is old Judaic law that says a man should never lie next to another man like he does his woman, that you shouldn't eat shellfish, that you shouldn't have mixed fabrics when it comes to clothing, that you should discipline your neighbor or one of your family members because of whatever, that we ought to own other people. It says that. And like the gentleman I had a debate with yesterday, he's right. The Quran does denounce homosexuality. It does. But so does Leviticus in the Bible. So does the Torah in Judaism. It does that. So my point is this. I, I get really intrigued when people cling on to religion. And this is what this text says. This is what the divine has says. At what point? And furthermore, it's a little bit of a tangent. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm curious something why, why does God have to be a man? And when did he become a man? You know? You want me to play it? I got it queued up. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. I hope so. Yep, here it is. If you're going to have the religious argument with us about what the Bible says is the rules, I present to you the greatest argument against religious rules. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. I wish I could spend more than a few minutes with you, but the polls don't close in the East for another hour. And there are plenty of election results still left to falsify. <laughs> you know, with so many people participating in the political and social debate through call-in shows, it's a good idea to be reminded every once in a while. <clears throat> it's a good idea to be reminded of the awesome impact, of the awesome impact. I'm sorry, uh, you're Dr. Jenna Jacobs, right? Yes, sir. It's good to have you here. Thank you. The awesome impact of the airwaves and how that translates into the furthering of our national discussions, but obviously also how it can, <clears throat> how it can, forgive me, Dr. Jacobs, are you an MD? A PhD. A PhD. Yes, sir. In psychology? No, sir. Theology? No. Social work? I have a PhD in English literature. I'm asking because on your show people call in for advice and you go by the name Dr. Jacobs on your show and I didn't know if maybe your listeners were confused by that and assumed you had advanced training in psychology, theology, or healthcare. I don't believe they are confused, no sir. Good. I like your show. I like how you call homosexuality an abomination. I don't say homosexuality is an abomination, Mr. President. The Bible does. Yes, it does. Leviticus. 18.22. Chapter and verse. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions while I had you here. I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery, as sanctioned in Exodus 21.7. She's a Georgetown sophomore, speaks fluent Italian, always cleared the table when it was her turn. What would a good price for her be? While thinking about that, can I ask another? My chief of staff, Leo McGarry, insists on working on the Sabbath. Exodus 35.2 clearly says he should be put to death. Am I morally obligated to kill him myself, or is it okay to call the police? Here's one that's really important, because we've got a lot of sports fans in this town. Touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean. Leviticus 11.7. If they promise to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? Can Notre Dame? Can West Point? Does the whole town really have to be together to stone my brother John for planting different crops side by side? Can I burn my mother in a small family gathering for wearing garments made from two different threads? Think about those questions, would you? One last thing. While you may be mistaking this for your monthly meeting of the ignorant, tight-ass club. In this building, when the president stands, nobody sits. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I just... I feel and like that... goes for fundamental Islam yeah. as well. That's the other thing. Like, I don't want people to think that we're just bashing on Christianity. Any religion that teaches you to use violence is not a good religion. Because even Islamic scholars, when Bin Laden and all of them saying that there's going to be 41, 61, whatever the number, virgins are going to be in heaven under a law. That's not what the text says. It's crystal clear raisins. That's what the text says. <laughs> Here are your raisins. 
You know, I mean, this is, again, yeah, you can interpret all those of us who read the book. We can interpret the book all we want about what this is what our sacred text says. And we can mean it what we want to mean, especially if we are in a period of distress personally. We can interpret that. And let me provide another example. When I was young, I had to have been 10, maybe 12. I don't know how old I was young to read page by page. And I read Animal Farm for the first time. And I thought it was a hilarious book because it was farm animals fighting pigs. Because I like animals. I like farm animals, and I thought it was a funny book. And I only took it as such. I read Animal Farm in college and started seeing the themes of what Orwell was writing about. That there are underlying themes, that there are analogies, and there are these other things that I did not know when I was a kid. So this may be a counter-argument to some of you who may disagree with me, but here's my point. At those two periods of my life, I read Animal Farm one way, and I read Animal Farm what everybody knows what Animal Farm is now. Well, for those who don't, conversation. go ahead. Just real brief, you know, give, give them a book report, AJ. Uh, Animal Farm, if you haven't read Animal Farm, I highly encourage you to. It's, it's really about a farm of animals. And there was, like, the grand pig that everyone was beholden to, and he took care of the farm. And it was this idyllic, utopian society that every, every animal on the farm helped one another, they worked in society, and then all of a sudden, at a big meeting, the big pig dies. And who killed him? his very own. The other pigs killed him without anyone knowing. And then the pigs took over the farm as to what they felt how the farm should be ran. And it was a very authoritarian way of running the farm and every animal wanted to get out of there and they, and they did. So there was that theme of Authoritarian governments, you know, trying to overthrow government, um, all that, and all those themes. The very socialist themes that Orwell writes about, whether it's Animal Farm 1984 or whatever. But my point is, I read that book two different points in my life. And I've read the Bible various parts of my life incrementally. And I've read the Quran over time, as well as the Book of Mormon, as well as the Torah, as well as other sacred texts. And as my perspective, albeit bent one way or another, I still had these questions that were still never answered. That from the Christian standpoint, the Bible... Why in one breath it says, me, AJ, 
should help you, Nick, as my neighbor. But while I'm helping you, I should discipline my friend Justin, who's gay. But he's also my neighbor. So I should be so I should be selective as to who I should help as my neighbor. I don't get that. I don't understand that. But and Jesus died for our sins. But whose sins? I want to. Not my sins. You're not. I, I like your idea though of analyzing something as you get older and uh, to take it to a nerd place. Um, it's not even really that nerd. It's more of a movie thing. Uh, I, when I was a kid, my dad's favorite movie was It's a Wonderful Life. And mm-hmm. I, grew, I grew up thinking it was a good movie, but nothing that special. I never understood why he liked it so much. And I didn't watch it for five years, basically, in my 20s. I'd say from like 22 to 28, 29, I never watched it. And then I went down, for those, this is Chicago Podcast Network, so you probably know about the sing-along at the Music Box Theater. And we went as a family, and I did not want to go. I'll be the first to admit. I made plans to go do something else, immediately following it, uh, everything I could to, to avoid you know, having to sit through two movies at a theater. Like I just didn't want to do it, but I went. And we watched White Christmas, and I've always liked White Christmas. I like Bing Crosby, whatever. And then It's a Wonderful Life started. And it was the first time I watched it as an adult, AJ. I hadn't seen it as an adult, and that's a different movie. When you're older, and they get to the last line of the movie, and I, and I'm still most of that movie. I'm most of that movie. I'm I'm not really caring that much. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't look at it the same way. But it was also during a period I'd lost the job at the big firm. The radio station that you and I were at wasn't doing great, um, and I kind of felt lost in my life. And you get to the end of that movie, and do you remember what the last what the last thing in that movie is besides the what? The angel and the bells? That's not it, actually. That's not the part. Right before oh. the angel with the bells, he gets a note from the angel. Do you remember what the note says? No. No man is poor. George, remember, no man is poor so long as he has friends. Mm-hmm. And I cried like a baby. Like I, I, like I literally like got up and left the theater. I was crying so hard because I thought of all of my friends. I thought of my family. But I, I really did. I thought of my friends because it was just like, you know, it's not that bad, man. And part of that comes from the fact that when I was younger, I literally thought that by the time I was in my 30s, I would have no friends. Uh, I thought that my personality didn't really lend to it, and it's not the case. I'm very blessed with that. And and I cried. And it's because I came to it from a different place than when I first experienced it. And I look at the religious right in this country, and that's who I blame for this. And people uh, can argue that fact with me. But I do. I blame, I blame the Ted Cruz's of the world. I blame the Marco Rubio's. I blame the Westboro Baptist Church. I blame, right, fundamentalist Christianity for the mass shootings in this country. It's not because I feel that they foster, always foster hate. They do, but I don't think that that's the cause. I think it's because they've taken a religion that is about love and helping your neighbor and helping the poor and turned it into, I don't even know what to call it anymore, AJ, but I know that it's really easy to get a gun. I know that people are dying in, in the dozens right now. In the dozens. 
on a weekend. I know that in the city of Chicago, as you said, while we're all talking about this massacre at a nightclub in Orlando, seven kids also died on the south side, and nobody seems to give a shit. And all of it stems from this. In the United States of America, the right protects the right to bear arms because the people who support Christianity candidates also support gun registration and gun legis and support do not support gun registration. They want unfettered access to firearms. And I'm going to say this now, and I'm hoping that this podcast goes bigger than our normal ones, AJ. I really do, because I'm going to say something, and I will engage anybody on this topic. And if you want to show up and try to kill me for saying this, this is but this is it. If you support a Republican right now, you are responsible for the 49 people who were killed in Orlando. And I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I don't care what your argument is the other way. I do not care. The left wants regulation. The left wants background checks. The left wants to make sure that somebody who will walk into a nightclub and kill 50 people, who was investigated by the FBI twice, can't get a gun. That at least there's a flag. That at least there's something that lets us know what is happening. And if we want to maintain the status quo as it is, if that's what you want, because you're a Republican, and that's the main, that's the main thrust of their argument, AJ. Things aren't that bad, but things are terrible. But we have to stay where things are or they'll get a lot worse. That's the right's argument. Whether or not people want to admit it anymore is, is irrelevant to me. I don't give a shit. Your argument is that you want things to stay exactly the way that they are. And the way that things are are untenable to everybody who isn't white, male, and affluent. If you're not one of those three things, which I actually am because of my family, which, AJ, based on society's standards, you are as well. So we're pretty goddamn lucky. But most people aren't that fucking lucky. And if you aren't white male and affluent, then guess what? We don't give a shit about you because you're not going to vote for us anyway. So we're the Republican Party and we're okay with black people dying in the streets and we're okay with gay people getting massacred in a nightclub. We're okay with 49 people dead in a nightclub with a gun that we have protected the right for people to get because we think that you should have the right to buy a fucking machine gun. And you can argue whether or not that's what it is, but it takes three and a half minutes to convert the gun that that kid had into a fully automatic killing machine and if you don't believe that if you don't think that that's true look it up take 30 seconds out of your average idyllic life and look up how easy it is to do it and then come back to me and tell me that your party is supporting what's good and christian and moral values that's the thing that the guy I was talking about said well i think that moral values are what's important to america no you don't because the number one moral value the number one commandment is actually not thou shalt not kill that's the third commandment but it is one of the top 10 thou shalt not kill. And if you vote for a Republican right now, if you vote for the right, you're killing people. And you're okay with it. And if you don't agree with me on that, feel free to confront me any way that you want. But understand that in any way that you do so, you'll just be proving my point. A vote for the right is a vote for a dead black kid, a vote for a dead Mexican kid, a vote for a dead K kid, because they don't count as people to you. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you that. I'll give you that portion about the right. And let me give you my portion about Democrats. Because they're also at fault. Because they rather have reform. They rather have, you know, what's, what's study this? What's 
look at this, let's review this, but while all this stuff is going on, let's also put in policies that incarcerate people of color, that incarcerate other demographics, because they're also to blame also. More so than Republicans? Probably not by those standards. But Democrats have also done some shady public policy as well. So even though they are on the side of justice to a point, um, but they still have done things that still allow to have guns in Walmart. No, that's the, li- li- listen, have- you're absolutely you're absolutely correct, AJ. That it's also on the left. But the difference to me is this. One is at least trying to change shit. Right. No, and I hear you. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I hear you. I mean, there is that sliver of a difference. But again, they still take money from Lockheed Martin. They still employ G4S security, which this murderer worked with. I, th- I yeah, I, I I do though, AJ. I, the more I'm thinking about this, I, I I really do think that going forward, if I have a conversation with somebody about politics and guns come up and they tell me that they defend gun rights, I'm going to call them a racist, and I'm going to look at them and they're going to get really offended and they're going to say some shit, and I'm going to look at them and I said, no, the argument that you have that you should have unfettered access to your guns tells me that you don't give a shit if black kids are dying. That's what it tells me. You don't care. You don't care if kids get killed in a school. That's what it tells to me. Because there's a guy who hosts a radio show here in the city. It's a sports show, but they talk about it very very rarely. Um, uh, Boers and Bernstein on the Score 670 CBS radio. And whether or not you like their show is, is, is whatever. I, I find it entertaining. Some people hate it. But Dan Bernstein, and he's not alone on this, but he's the one who's, I think, articulated it best, says, we know that we don't care. And people kind of look at him and go, what do you mean? He goes, we don't care. We don't care about this. Because if we cared, in 2012, when 30 kids were killed, or 18 kids were killed at an elementary school with a gun, things would have changed. Nothing changed. So we have this discussion, and we do all this stuff, and we... We have these arguments, and yeah, it breaks down into conversations about religion and hate crimes and, and all of this other shit, and it gets bogged down in all this other stuff. And even you pointed out, you know, the Democrats on the left are, are working to compromise with people and to do all these other things. And AJ, man, it just comes down to this. Some people just really like guns. <laughs> and that's what it is at the end of the day. I mean, I mean Illinois alone... Not Rounder right now, right now, but a little bit before Rounder. State of Illinois was democratically controlled. And the governor's office, uh, essentially the Supreme Court, and the General Assembly, and various other places locally as well. But we still had shootings in Chicago. We have a mayor in Chicago that closed schools in the south and west part of Chicago. And that's a democratically controlled city hall, mind you, also. So that's that's happened. And those are Democrats, not Republicans. 
Democrats. Now, was it really going to take to get rid of, when I say get rid of, I mean get rid of the policies that we have, get rid of the methods that we're doing in order to have the kind of society that we're doing? Because at this point, and I've said it before, we in this country are being constricted by Republicans and Democrats that only care about their career. And if you are in the private sector, you know, you too care about your job and you will do any political move necessary to go from the shop floor to be the shop supervisor to some mid-management position to senior management position and then either take over the business or leave that business to go elsewhere, you would do that. This is what they do also. They get in the office. They play nice. They serve on caucuses. They sponsor legislation that would make their move because it's all about power with a capital P for them in order for them to do the kind of work they're doing and everything. But they're not really progressive as far as Democrats are concerned. The real progressives are opening free schools. They're making community gardens. They're actually working with other people. They're actually or, or they're refusing. trying to create gun-free programs. They're actually talking to gang leaders and trying to make sure that those gang leaders do not shoot up various parts of their town. The, 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 there's a term for that. Uh, I believe uh, our president once operated under it, AJ. It, it's a term that gets derided by the right, but do you remember what that term is? Yeah, but... It's okay. community, organi- <laughs> community organizer. That's a different show about that. <laughs> yeah. But... But you're, no, it is. It is us community organizers. Here's the thing: there was a, we're, we're over an hour now, and we can we're going to keep going a little bit longer than usual, I think. But there was a piece on the Daily Show last night about how recently, in the last few years, senator or the the people aren't running anymore, and or it wasn't last night. For this, a few weeks ago, but people aren't running for office anymore. The party is going to people who they identify as possible public servants to run as congressmen or senators, and people are turning them down because the gridlock is so bad that they know they won't accomplish anything. And the people who actually want to accomplish stuff don't want to get bogged down in this crap, so they don't go because there's no reason to. And if, if, if you ask who's going to do something to stop this, there's a... There's a story about... But we we talked about this on a previous episode when I was trying to run for office where I worked as an intern and then got a little bit of gravitas under under my belt on the Democratic Party and I said, I want to run for office. I want to run against the 12-year incumbent Republican who should be out of office. But they didn't want me in office. They, they say, we, this is, well, we'll pat you on the back, but we're not going to give you the funding. We're not going to help you with a staff. We're not going to do anything. 
and, and that was for state rep in my area. Fast forward, I'm in Springfield, thinking about running for county board. I had an ask me union guy tell me, well, you know what? Ask me will back you if you move to this district. I go, why that district? We have a better chance of winning there. I go, you think so? That's just like, uh, why? Why, why is that? Why, how come it can't be my district? Because they want to put their own person in there. They don't want me to run against one of their candidates that they're endorsing. I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I, but my, my, my point was more to the idea that even, but even, like, even in a situation like you, you're the exception that proves the rule because they can't find qualified people who actually want to do anything. And so the only people who run are the people who have been wanting to do it their whole lives, which is the wrong reason to wanting to be doing it. But realistically, man, I, I just... There's a story about when the Titanic was sinking. It's the famous story of the band that played as the boat went down. Mm-hmm. And I... Every day that passes, with every news story that I read, with every mass shooting, with every terrorist attack, I literally, AJ, I look at it and I go, that's who, that's people like you and me, people who care, that's what we're really doing. We're just playing music as the ship sinks. And I don't mean America, I mean all, I mean the world, man. And I really believe that at this point. We have a... I don't want to go off on like a whole thing here, but realistically, let's list the major problems of the planet. One, inherent violence, religious violence, Islamic terrorism, whatever the hell you want to fucking couch it as. That's what's the, one of them. We have a planet that's boiling and slowly destroying itself. And the planet, as George Carlin said, it's egotistical of us to say to save the planet. The planet's going to be fine. The planet will still be here. We just won't be here anymore. We've stopped progressing in space exploration, which I feel is almost as responsible for America's boom as anything else. We fight wars for only economic reasons. We Everything that I thought about the world as a child, as much as it's being proved wrong on a daily basis, it, it just feels worse. And I honestly don't know if it's just because we can see it all every day we didn't used to be able to see it every day. You know, you'd have to wait for the nightly news or something. But it's nonstop. It never ends. And, yeah, we had this huge shooting in Orlando. It has been four days, three days since that happened. Not a single law, not a single regulation, not one. Please. Go ahead. Someone happened in the house, didn't you? No. I mean... Paul Ryan, Speaker Ryan, went up there and talked about, you know, let's have a moment of silence in the house, a full house, or sound like a full house, no pun intended, <laughs> um, uh, that he wanted to have a moment of silence of what happened in Orlando. And as soon as he said, after that moment of silence, he just wanted to resume business. And the Democrats, on, and applaud on their part, wanted to talk, have a debate about gun control, and the Speaker would not allow it on the House floor. Uh, I just, 
But that's it. We don't even have the conversation anymore. We went from, in the last, if you want to go back to the Bush presidency, you want to start in 2000, we went from an equitable compromise to a either one side controls the other or not to now we don't even um, have the conversations. We don't talk about anything with any sort of plan to do to accomplish anything anymore all that keeps happening man is is we just keep having the same shit happen over and over and over again and i don't i played it for again if, if you guys don't know what i'm talking about stephen king's essay guns it's available on audible it was for charity you can buy it it's uh, at that point provided uh, charity to Sandy victims of Sandy Hook. Um, I'm not sure where they're at now, but as he points out, there's a and, and I'm going to do a bad version of it, but basically here's what it comes down to. It's, he calls it the shake. Here's how it shakes out. Step one, there's a shooting. Step two, uh, police and fire respond. Step three, local news is on the scene, and the reporters try to hide it, but they're giddy with excitement on their ability to be about to be on the national stage. Step four, they have now mobilized the national news teams. Network and CNN are on their way to the site. Step five, you know, we we begin speculating wildly about the number of victims, as many as is a phrase that will be used repeatedly. Step six, we start to see the uh, footage of the victims fleeing the scene. If we're really lucky, we'll get, if the networks are lucky, they'll get a shot of somebody with blood. Step seven, the national people are now on the news, and they begin to sca scavenge wildly for suspects. They will almost invariably name the wrong suspect, at which point somebody will correct them, and they will name the correct suspect. Step eight, they go and they find a picture of the person. Step nine, they find the crazy picture of the person. Step ten, the you know politicians after the in the immediate aftermath of everything going on will pay lip service to the idea of regulation and and changing the laws. Step six, the NRA will say out of respect for the victims, we won't comment at this time. Step seven, you know, and, and I keep losing track of the numbers, but basically as it goes on and on and on, and it basically ends with this. Then step twelve. Nothing happens, and we do it all over again after a hurricane pushes the story to the third page. Shit just never stops. And I don't know what's going to happen, man, to, to get us out of it. What do you, so I just, I, I wanted to, yeah, that's, and that's how it shakes out, as Stephen King puts it. It's just... It just repeats itself. And so, yeah, we're doing this today. We're doing this show today. And I'm going to tell you something right now, AJ. If there's another one of these within the next few months, we're not doing another show like this. There's no reason to. Because at the end of the day, you're just, what, what is it? You're, you're, you're barking at a wall, you know? I mean, th there's just nothing to be accomplished anymore. The people don't care. If you're listening to this podcast and you're going, yeah, 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 and then you, you do something, say something, fight with your relatives, Honest to God, stop hiding behind. We don't talk politics. We don't talk. No, fuck that. Talk politics. At least talk about this. Talk about this with your well, friends. It's, it's that. And it's also, and again, this is from my viewpoint, um, work with people who are doing this shit and not 
organizations that say they're doing it. And what I mean by that is there are organizations who I call the nonprofit industrial complex that profit off the injustices that are going on in this nation. And there's people like myself, a lot of people I know in Chicago, a lot of people I know in Milwaukee, St. Louis, Detroit, New York City, and elsewhere that are already on the ground, that are already having conversations, that already have a network. But you look at us as fringe people. You look at us as if we're the crazy ones. You look at us as saying, well, that's a good idea, but we're going to get behind these people. Well, those people are enabling the current system that we have right now. That Those people are just profiting. And I get really sick and tired when you have nonprofits and other quote-unquote organizers that said that they're doing the work. Uh, and here's a great example. I had dinner once with an executive director for an organization in Chicago. And they still do stuff in Chicago. <clears throat> and they're backed by SEIU, I'll just say it. They're, they're funded through SEIU. They're a front group. And then the executive director told me that they're going to do their next project, and they're going to work on TIF districts, um, tax-incremented finance districts. And Chicago has the biggest ones, a number of them. And I go, so what do you mean by that? So says, well, we're trying to create GIS maps. We're going to look into what politicians are in those districts. Um, companies are funding those districts. Um, we're going to find all this information and make a map and show people that once you put your cursor over it, it's going to tell you how much money's in that district, who the elected officials are, um, state and local, possibly federal, and all this great jazz. And we're going to make a website out of it, and people can upload that. What do you think? I said, that work's already being done. That work is being done by the TIF Illumination Project through Tom Tresser. He's doing that. He already has the, the, tech, the tech infrastructure that you're talking about. He's working with the Chicago Reader columnists with that. He's working with UIC professors about this. He already has, like, guerrilla journalists that are doing this. And the executive director looked at me and goes, well, we don't consider him an organizer. Well, Why? Well, because we pay our people. And that's what I hear all the time from those kind of groups. That because they have money, because they have a certain financial resource backing, they are considered professional organizers. But it's people like us that wake up at 5.30 in the morning and don't go back to bed till like midnight, 1 in the morning, maybe 2 in the morning, who just tirelessly, and I know I might sound like I have an ego right now, but my fucking God, you know how many hours I do this shit, people? It's not one day. It's Monday through Sunday. 
And I still spend time with my nephew. I spend time with my friends. I still go to church. But I continually still think about my work. And I put gas in my car. I find ways to make money to do the stuff I'm doing. But you're going to sit there and tell me that I just have nice ideas? And you just want to get behind someone that just enables a system? But yet myself and my friends have shown you models on what to do, but you're just going to pass on me? And you think I'm a problem. I, uh, before we go and, and end this thing, you know, in a, in a world as dark as when we started, uh, I, I want to add this. And, AJ, I think this is going to be the last thing we go with, but this is the list and the amounts of the senators and congressmen who received the most money from super PACs and individual donations from the gun manufacturing industry. Corey Gardner from the, these are the senators. Corey Gardner, $92,934. U.S. US senators. U.S. senators. Corey okay. Gardner, $92,934,000. Uh, Ted Cruz, 89329 John Corrin, $82,475. Marco Rubio, $76,089. Mitch McConnell, $72,300. Top five on the House of Representatives. Number one, Paul Ryan. $49,700. Ken Buck, 41000 Kevin McCarthy, 26400 Alexander Mooney, 25500 Ken Calvert, 25000 And you can keep on going. Uh, first thing you should know about all of those people, Republicans. Uh, well, at least on the Senate side, I don't know. I forgot where Gardner's from, but the other four are from the South. Yeah. Well, that's also not shocking. Uh, <laughs> he's from Colorado. Um, rare Republic. Where Lockheed Martin's at. Yeah. So there you go. Um, for the record, Paul Ryan, by the way, you always want to talk about health care. Number one contributor to the rate of $2 million last year was the insurance and financial markets. I just want to also throw that in there. But, but bribery doesn't happen, AJ. Um, never. It never happens. AJ, I, I, there's no way to end this properly. So let's just, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for listening. AJ, say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can, I, I want to make sure we get this before we go. There is a GoFundMe page. We're going to be posting it on our Facebook page, Facebook Chicago Podcast Network. It's already up there, but we'll reshare it. Um, it's a GoFundMe for the... Uh, victims of Orlando, supposedly the money is going to go to them. You also get uh, opportunities to donate uh, to other organizations, but it's victims for the Pulse shooting. It's raised $3 million so far from 80,000 donors. If you have the ability to give, please do so. Also, at any given point, because let's face it, this is going to happen again. Blood donation is very important. Plasma donation, uh, financial support to the Red Cross, any of those things will uh, help. But most importantly, I think even more so than giving money to this, talk about this with the people that you know. Talk about this with the people that you love. If they disagree with you, find out why. Um, don't be angry if they do, but talk. Have the conversations. AJ, before I let you go, and before we end this thing completely, there's an old quote, and I want to make sure I get it right, so please correct me, but... Um, 
all it takes, or no, never doubt that a small group of well-intended people can change the world. Why, right. why is that, AJ? Because we get shit done. Because they're the only ones who ever have. This has been the Chicago Podcast Network's Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Serrano's editor-in-chief of the Chicago Podcast Network, and I stand by every word that I said on this podcast. Uh, if you disagree, if this gets into the hands of a crazy person, feel free to come at me any way that you want, son, because uh, I'll take the death if it means I get to be a martyr for that cause. That sounds fucked up, but it is true. 49 people died in Orlando. 18 kids died at Sandy Hook. Those are the two that we talk about the most. There are, we read the list of the ones that have happened. This shit's not going away. And I don't give a shit if you like guns or not. But can we at least agree that maybe an assault rifle shouldn't happen? And I'm going to end my show with this. The least political comedian in the country. The man who prides himself on being goofy and weird. Touched a lot of us with this sentiment. This is Conan O'Brien on his show on TBS on Monday night. I'm going to play this, and then we're just going to play our little This Has Been the Chicago Podcast Network, and we're going to be out. This is Conan O'Brien. Our goal, obviously, uh, night after night, is to be funny and silly if you're in the mood for that late at night. However, sometimes events are so horrifying and bleak that to come out here and tell jokes just... It's not really possible. And uh, tonight, sadly, is one of those nights uh, at a time when we think we've heard the worst stories about senseless violence in our country, that it couldn't possibly get worse. The news out of Orlando yesterday is still impossible to fathom. That so many people can lose their lives so quickly because of one person's demented rage will never makes sense, and God help us if it ever does. Now, I am not a pundit. I am not an expert, and I've always, always made it a policy to stick to my job and keep my opinions to myself. I have really tried very hard over the years not to bore you with what I think. However, I am a father of two. I like to believe I have a shred of common sense and I simply do not understand why anybody in this country is allowed to purchase and own a semi-automatic assault rifle. It makes no sense to me. These, these are weapons of war, and they have no place in civilian life. I have tried to understand this issue from every side, and it all comes down to this. Nobody I know or have ever met in my entire life should have access to a weapon that can kill so many people so quickly. These mass shootings are happening so often now that lamenting them afterwards is becoming a national ritual. I do not know the answer, but I wanted to take just a moment here tonight to agree with the rapidly growing sentiment in America that it's time to grow up and figure this out. In the meantime, there are a lot of people suffering in Orlando. If you'd like to help them, visit gofundme.com slash pulse victims fund. 
Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break and then go back to doing whatever it is we do here. I've never. That was Conan O'Brien on TBS on his show, Conan, uh, talking about Orlando. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, so much for listening. Uh, AJ, do you want to say goodbye one more time? Bye, people. We out. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.